If you've been around uh, our church for some while, maybe the name of Kelly Arnold would ring a bell with you. Kelly appeared on our church email, his name did, uh, this last week uh, in the form of a prayer request. Kelly is 91 years old. Uh, He attended here for a number of years very faithfully and then had to move to Pittsburgh uh, to live with his niece there as she had become his primary caregiver. It was recently discovered that Kelly has a brain aneurysm. And uh, he had gone to the doctor and they had had discovered that. And the word was that uh, the location of the brain aneurysm and his age, that an operation was not even an option for him. And I was reading that that prayer request and saw that he was in the Pittsburgh hospital uh, early part of the week. I went down there to visit with him. And it didn't take him long to bring up to me the subject of dying. Uh, He figures that is what's next for him. And so we talked about that for a little bit. Uh, Maybe that is what's next for Kelly. Uh, If it it is, he's ready. He, He said that he's ready to go. We agreed that his life is in God's hands. And we agreed too that life is very uncertain. Maybe he'll live longer than what I will live. Uh, Because really, none of us are guaranteed of tomorrow. I talked to Kelly about just making sure that he was ready to meet Jesus. I said, I I just want to give to you a reminder that you're being ready to meet Jesus and your readiness to go to heaven, your assurance of going to heaven... It has nothing to do with you being good. It has everything to do with the fact that He has been good. And He has come here and He has lived for us. Jesus has lived a perfect life and He died on the cross for our sins and He paid that price for us. And so, Kelly, you just need to put your trust in Jesus. That's what I said to him. And he was appreciative of that reminder. He said to me in return, Kevin, if it was dependent upon me being good enough, I would have no hope. And and that is so true for each and every one of us. None of us here can make it to heaven on our own goodness. All of these disciplines that we are talking about uh, in these days ahead, this month of February, we've been talking about the discipline of going in the months ahead. We're going to talk about the discipline of prayer, the discipline of reading God's Word and studying God's Word. We'll talk about the discipline of loving each other, the discipline of serving each other, the discipline of giving. All of these disciplines, I need to remind you, though though, though they are good for us and we need to be striving to have these disciplines in our life, They're not what's going to get us to heaven. We are not paving our way towards heaven's gates by keeping these disciplines. Nobody is going to get to heaven because they have been good enough or disciplined enough. Outside of Jesus' grace, one sin is enough to overshadow all of our efforts to be good. 
And so let me remind you, Jesus has come here to save us from our sins, to take care of that sin problem. He is the only way that we can get to heaven. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so what are these disciplines all about? What, what good are they for us? How do they help us? Well, I'll tell you the answer to those questions. They help us draw near to Jesus. They will help us grow in Him, which we are to do. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Ephesians 4.15 says that we are to grow up in all aspects unto Him who is Christ. And so, yes, we are to grow in Jesus. We are not to stay infants in our faith. We are to become more mature in Him. And so, as we practice these disciplines, as we bring these disciplines into our life, they will help us grow up in Jesus. And so today we're continuing our thinking about this discipline of going. I want to base the sermon today on a, on a scripture that is very familiar to most of you. I'd like for you to read this scripture with me. John chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. First of all, from that passage, we need to realize the truth of God's love. Have you ever thought about how big that word so is? For God so loved the world. How big is that word? I mean, is it, is it this big? Surely it's bigger than this. Maybe if I take my index finger on both hands and point each finger in towards infinity, maybe that would be a better definition of how big that word so is. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. His love is immeasurable. I used to go through a little routine with my kids when they were younger. I would say to one of them, I love you. And, and they would answer back, well, I love you too, Dad. And then I would say, I love you more. And then they'd get a smile on their face and they'd answer back, I love you most. And I would say then to them, I love you the mostest. As if that's really a word. Well, God's love is more than the mostest. It's more than what we can measure. It's more than what we can imagine. And, and, and tell me, who is it that He loves? He loves the world, that verse says. And that is all-inclusive. That's you and me. He loves every single one of us. And think about this. His love is without prejudice. It is without bias. It doesn't matter what our skin color is or what our nationality is. It doesn't matter what our IQ is or what the size of our bank account is. And think about this too. We, we didn't have to love Him first before He was loving us. No, He loved us first. 
while we were yet enemies, the Scripture says, He loved us. Before we were even born, He knew us and He loved us. His love is perfect. His love is personal. Think about this. For God so loved Kevin that He gave His only begotten Son. For God so loved John, Melissa, that He gave His only begotten Son. For God so loved Terry and Judy that He gave His only begotten Son. Every single one of us can put our name in that in that blank there. For God so loved us, the world, that He gave His one and only Son that if we personally would believe in Him, we would not perish, but would have eternal life. I quoted that verse in that same manner to a fellow just a few weeks ago. And uh, as I did and put his name there in the blank, I noticed tears swelling up in his eyes and rolling down his cheeks. This is a guy that's way bigger and stronger than what I am. But the message of God's love went straight to his heart. It's pretty amazing to think about the fact that the God of this universe loves us. He knows who we are. He loves us enough that He would give His only begotten Son for us. I've never had anybody love me like that. My, my wife Cindy, she loves me a lot. My mom, she loves me a lot. But their love for me doesn't compare to God's love for me. His love is not based on how pretty I am or how macho I am. His love is not based on how good I am or how sweet I am. His love is not based on how successful I am or what position I might hold. His love is based on who He is. And 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. I'd like for you a moment, for a moment, just to let that truth wash over your mind. And let your, let your mind just meditate on that. Would you for a moment bask in the love of the God Almighty of this universe that the fact that He knows who you are and He loves you. It's an, an immeasurable love. So much so that He gave His Son to die for you. This was not plan B because plan A didn't work. No, this was plan A. This was His plan before the world even was created. Now with that kind of love in mind, let me ask you this question. When we come face to face with His love for us, how can we not go and tell somebody else about that love? How can we possibly keep it a secret? How can we possibly hold it in and not share it with those around us? I was listening to a sermon recently by a fellow named David Platt. And the sermon was about God's love for us, for the whole world. 
And in that sermon, he's talking about the fact that Jesus has, has come and, and He's given His life for, for the world. And Jesus is the only way to heaven. And in that sermon, David Platt was telling about an experience of his way back in his high school years. He was uh, an underclassman and uh, he had a speech class and he had gotten up in front of his speech class and he gave a speech on God's love to the world. And he shared with his class that Jesus was the only way to heaven. And as was the custom in the class, after uh, a person had given their speech and sat down, then the class had an opportunity to uh, respond to the speech and and interact with the person who has given the speech. And, And so there was a lot of interaction going on. There was a lot of response from the audience on that day. His classmates wanted to question him. Particularly, they wanted to question him about this idea that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And one girl in particular seemed really upset. She was, in fact, she was mad over what he had said. She put him on the spot and saying to him, are you saying that I will go to hell if I don't believe in Jesus? Is that what you're saying? And David Platt just, boy, he was on the spot. But he arose to the occasion and in gentleness, as much gentleness as he could muster and politeness and, and candidness and, and just, and yet straightforward with the truth, he said to her, Yes, that, that is what I am saying. But understand, that is what the Bible says. The Bible says that if a person does not believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus as their Savior, then they will go to hell. And this girl was so upset. Downright mad at David Platt. And he said for the next several months of school, practically every day, he had to deal with this girl's wrath towards him. And she was saying, how in the world could you be so arrogant and so judgmental? How, how can you be so uh, selfish and, and so uh, prideful in saying that, that, that I'm going to go to hell if, if I don't believe in your Jesus? And it, it, it was so, so much of a, a push back towards him that he began to to question his own thinking. He began to have his own doubts and wondering if what he had said and what he had believed to this point was true. And so her questioning him actually caused him to get more into the Word, to check it out, to see if indeed this was what the Bible said. And he talked to people whom he, whom he respected. And he was really going round and round with himself and with God over this issue. And you know what? As he researched this, He came to the conclusion that it really is true. It really is true. This is what the Bible says. That if we don't believe in Jesus, if we don't have Him as our Savior, then we will go to hell. 
And he was so glad when the end of the school semester came and it was like a reprieve from this girl and the wrath that she was giving to him every day. And so the summer, he just he enjoyed this summer not having this girl on, uh, on him. First day of school back in the fall. Here she comes. And he's going, oh my... <laughs> Here she comes again. She's going to give it to me again. And, and they're in the, in the first hour together. And uh, she she's, says, I want, to, I want to talk to you after class. And he goes, okay. okay. So after class, he's waiting. He's dreading what she is about to do to come unglued on him again. And he's waiting there. And here she comes. And she says, I, 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 I just want you to know, last semester when you told me that if I didn't believe in your Jesus, I was going to go to hell, I really was mad about that. He says, yeah, I know. I know you were mad. She says, but I've, I've done a lot of research this summer. I've done a lot of thinking about what you have said, and I've begun looking for the truth myself, and I've come to the understanding that what you said was true. And I want you to know I gave my life to Jesus this summer. And I want to thank you for having the courage to speak to us the truth. Amen? I I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, when you speak the truth to someone, it can change their life. It can go and, and touch even... The hardest of hearts. If you're willing to speak the truth, the truth works. It's like a sword. It can go into our heart to the innermost being and it can convict us and it can change us. The problem is that sometimes we just don't speak the truth. We're sitting on the truth. We're holding the truth to ourselves and not willing to share it. And my, my thought here is we're thinking about John 3.16 and the fact that God gave His only begotten Son for us. When we realize the love of God to that degree, it should motivate us to go and tell somebody. In fact, David Platt said in his sermon, maybe it is the most arrogant, selfish, mean thing that a person can do is to hold the truth to himself and not share it. Think about that. I don't want my loved ones or my friends to be going to hell. I want them to know the love of of Jesus. And so, number one, we realize, we need to realize the love of God and how great it is. Secondly, we need to realize what is at stake. Do you know what is at stake? Think about what this verse is saying. Our souls are at stake. The souls of those that we love are at stake. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We're talking heaven and hell here. We're talking 
eternal reward versus eternal damnation. We're talking eternal bliss versus eternal suffering. That is what is at stake here, and that is for real. It's not make-believe. It's not fairy tale or the preacher embellishing a story. No, this is the truth. Heaven is for real and hell is for real. Those who believe in Jesus will go to heaven and those who do not believe in Jesus will go to hell. And heaven is going to be so much greater than anything we can even begin to imagine. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. I've shared this with you before. I first heard it more than 30 years ago. Keith Green, one of my favorite song artist at the time, he used to say this, it took God six days to create this world in all of its beauty. Think about how beautiful this world is. The mountains, the oceans, the, the stars, the, the sun and the moon and the galaxies and, and the rivers and the, and the grass and the trees. Just all these things that our eyes have laid uh, sight of... It took God just six days to create this world in all of its beauty. And he said, you know, God's been working on heaven for more than 2,000 years. We're living in a garbage can down here compared to what's going on up there. Heaven is just going to be beyond our imagination. No more tears up there. Amen? Hallelujah for that. No more pain. No more sickness. No more heartaches or problems of any kind. How about this? No more wars. No more death. No more sin. The devil will not be there. How about this? No more abuse of any kind. No more hunger. No more politics. Amen? (laughs) How about this? No more prejudice. Amen is right. How about this? No more anger or bitterness. How about this? Complete joy. Amen. How about complete love? Perfect peace. Complete contentment. Perfect worship. I really have my doubts whether whether we'll all be sitting around on a cloud playing a harp. I don't think that's what heaven is going to be. I, what I think heaven is going to be, whatever is fun, that's what heaven is going to be. Heaven is going to be a blast. There will be no boredom in heaven whatsoever. And do you know who will be there? Jesus will be there, our Lord and Savior. The Holy One who is, who was, and who is to come. And the One who has been on the throne forever and ever and ever. He will be there. The Holy Spirit will be there. Moses will be there. And Elijah and Elisha, Joseph and David and Samuel, the prophets of old. And the, and the apostles will be there, each of them. I want my family there. I don't want anyone from my family missing there. 
And we can be there if we believe in Jesus, the Scripture says. We will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. I'll tell you though, hell is going to be a different story. Do I need to remind you? of what that dreadful place is going to be like. The Scripture is very clear. In fact, you look at Scripture, hell is more described by, by Scripture than what heaven is. It, it's referred to as a lake of fire. A fiery furnace. Unquenchable fire. It's described as eternal torment. It's described as a place of darkness, everlasting destruction. It's described as a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's called a bottomless pit. It is a place where God will not be. And maybe that's why it's a place of darkness. Because the Bible says God is light. And where there is no God, there is no light. And there is no hope. And there is no reprieve from the pain and the torment. And there is no light at the end of the tunnel. There is no uh, end of, 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 of the problems in sight. There's no comfort. There is no water to soothe, soothe our tongue. No mercy. No grace. No end in sight. Just as heaven is beyond our imagination, so too hell is beyond our imagination. And just as I want all of my loved ones to be there, I want none of my loved ones to be there. So, we must tell them. We must enlighten them as to what the truth is. And we tell them the truth in love. Do you remember Luke chapter 16? The rich man, he ended up in hell. We get a glimpse of him there. Do you remember what he was saying? As he was in hell, he was speaking to Father Abraham across the great divide. And what he was saying is, please, please, Abraham, send somebody to my brothers and tell them not to come to this dreadful place. You know what I learned from that? There will be no reunions in hell. There will be no high fives in hell and glad glad hellos. Hey, I haven't seen you for a while. Let's 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 sit down and let's drink a beer together and let's just have a good old fellowship time together. No, there's not going to be any of that kind of thing going on in hell. There will be no friendships in hell. Because it's a place of darkness. It's a place of torment. We will be consumed with our own problem. 
if we were there. No smiles. And so we we must realize what is at stake here. Souls are at stake. Our souls, souls of people that we love, so we go and we tell them the good news about Jesus, that He died for the whole world so that we don't have to go to such a dreadful place. Let me close with this thought. We need to realize that God can use us to be His witnesses. He can use you. He can use Me, every single one of us, He can use us. And we don't have to be superstars because none of us are. We are just ordinary people. And we are weak. And we have sin in our life. And oftentimes we we feel so ineloquent and I don't know what to say. And, And again, that's exactly where Moses was at. And God called him and God used him to deliver his people from Egypt. And David felt so inadequate to sit on the throne of Israel. He said, I am the least of my father's family. My family is the least in the tribe of Judah. Why would you choose me? And yet God did choose him. And he became the greatest king that ever sat on the throne of Israel. Do you remember about Amos the prophet? He was no trained professional. Do you remember what he did for a living? He was a farmer of figs. Had a had, a, had fig trees that he took care of. And he had some sheep that he took care of. He had no formal training in preaching the Gospel. And yet, God chose him to be the one to deliver the message to His people during His time. James and John and Andrew and Peter, they were just fishermen. They they didn't have training. They didn't even have hardly an education. And yet, Jesus called them into His service. And He used them to change the world. Matthew, the same way. Matthew had had a history of telling lies and being deceitful. And God chose Matthew to be one of the twelve to follow His Son. And God used Matthew to be His representative, to write one of His books about His Son. You see, God has always been in the business of using ordinary, weak, flawed people. That's you and me. He's calling you and He's calling me to be His ambassador. And when we are weak, He is strong. What we need to do is simply put our trust in Him and surrender to Him and know that He can can move through us and in us. We just have to be willing and available. There are people all around us who need to hear the good news of Jesus. My question to you is, will you be available to go? I pray so. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Son Jesus. Thank You for His great love that He would come here to live among us, to love us, to die for us. We just thank You for Your great plan of salvation. And Lord, You have chosen us to be Your representatives. Lord, help us. Help us to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name.